Well, good morning, Christchurch. Good to see you all. It's my privilege this morning to uh, open up the summer series uh, uh, on the final Old Testament character that we're going to be looking at this term. Uh, you remember we've looked at Noah, we've looked at uh, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, uh, Moses, Deborah and Gideon. And we've done all of those in just one Sunday. But we're going to spend today and the next four Sundays looking at Joseph. Now, if you mention the life story of Joseph to uh, non-Christians uh, or even Christians... They'll all know it because it's really flowery, isn't it? They've got a version of Joseph in their mind. And that's all down to two men, Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice. Let me prove my point. If I sing the first line of a song from the show, I want you to carry on. All right, let's see how well you know the show. So are you ready? I closed my eyes, drew back the curtain, to for certain. Yes. It's enough for that one. So let's really test you. How well do you know it then? Close every door to me. Wow, you see? We know it, don't we? Well, I don't know about in your house, but in my house, that is our favourite show. Look, Helen's nodding her head. Uh, all three of our girls love this show. And I, it must have been uh, when Rachel, I think it was Rachel's 10th birthday, uh, we went to see the Christmas lights in London. Or so Rachel thought. And then we found ourselves in front of the London Palladium. And there are all the signs and the posters. And she looks around and I'm stood there. And she jumped up and down for joy and she cried. Oh, and we had a great night. And we believe we saw the best Joseph. It wasn't Philip Schofield. No, we saw Jason Donovan. Now, when you study the Bible, though, uh, the story isn't quite so flowery and romantic. When you look at Joseph's father, Jacob, and his siblings, it's more like an episode of a storyline of a soap opera on TV. So this morning and for the next four weeks, I want you to forget all about those previous images and memories and, and the songs that you know. Get them out of your brains and let's look at what God's message is for us through this story. You all right with that? Let's start then by recapping very briefly some of what we know. And uh, in fact, it was way back in May that Sai preached to us that one Sunday morning all about Jacob. You remember, he's a son of Isaac and Rebekah. He's a grandchild of Abraham. And Jacob was born, if you remember, holding onto the heel of his twin brother Esau. It seemed he wanted to be the number one son already. But it turns out he's a bit of a con man. Out for number one. Lots of pride, the real deal. Rebecca, his mother, tells him to go to his old, blind, and dying father, cover himself with a hairy bit of goat skin. And she says, Your dad will feel it and think you're Esau. 
and you'll get the blessing and all the inheritance. And he does. And then he gets out of the way and he goes off to see his mother's brother Laban. Now Laban, as it turns out, is a bit of a dell boy in this part of town. But Jacob falls in love at first sight with Laban's youngest daughter, Rachel. Do you remember that? But to earn the right to marry her, he has to work for seven years for Laban. And he does. And so on the wedding day, everything goes well. He obviously has a little bit too much to drink because he wakes up the next morning to find that Laban swapped Rachel and there's Leah laying next to him. So what does he do? Well, he goes back to Laban and Laban says, well, you can marry Rachel in a week's time. In a week's time, you haven't got to wait long. You can marry her next week, but you'll have to work for me another seven years. And he does, he agrees to it. She must have been some fantastic woman. Anyway, Leah produces six sons and a daughter. And when she gets too old to have any more, she gives, gives, uh, gives him the servant, uh, Zilpah, and she gives him two sons. But poor Rachel, whom he loves so much, she can't conceive. So she gives him her servant, Bilpah. And together they have two sons. Are you counting? Hey, four wives, ten sons, a daughter, all under the same roof. Oh, he must have had no hair left. Yet the woman he truly loves, Rachel, she still hasn't given him a child. But eventually there's a nice part to this story. Joseph is born to Jacob and Rachel. So now, perhaps some peace, some harmony. No way. Rachel, sadly she dies in childbirth, giving birth to the 12th son of the family, a child that they called Benjamin. So Rachel is buried in Bethlehem, and God meets with Jacob and calls him by his new name, Israel. What a family. What a story. And if we read if we read it all, we'd see that there are con men, there's murderers, there's adulterers. And yet, through all of this, God works within this family. He's quietly at work. So, are there any bells ringing with your families? Yeah. Are there similarities with the family setup that we see here in Jacob's family and in yours? Of course, Jacob had his good side, uh, and he, but when you read it, he really is a selfish man, living for himself. He's ambitious for power and recognition. I've shared this with some of you before. I can really hold my hand up here. I was a man driven by ambition in my workplace, in my career in the fire service. I was always seeking the next promotion, and I didn't care who I trod on to get there. See, I was very hungry for power and recognition for myself. That, of course, was until God intervened. But we learn from Jacob's story that God meets with the vilest of sinners in the worst of situations. And we can, often in the twinkling of an eye, sometimes over a very long journey, be changed by an encounter with him. 
I think we've just heard so beautifully how God can encounter with people. So the scenes continue to be set and rolled out. Enter Joseph, so different from the rest of his family. Really, it's astounding how a young man who grew up in the same house, in the same conditions, the same environment as all of those brothers can turn out so very, very different. So let's come to the start of the story. Lynn is going to read for us the first 11 verses of chapter 37 of Genesis. Jacob lived in the land of his father's sojournings in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. He was a boy, and he was with the sons of Billah and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, Oh, hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright, and behold, your sheaves gathered round it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brothers said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us, or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Oh, behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and 11 stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and all your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept the saying in mind. Thanks, Lou. There's so much for us to consider in these 11 verses. There are 50 chapters in the book of Genesis, and around a quarter of these chapters are about Jacob's son Joseph and about his adventures. So Joseph is therefore a really important player in God's plan for his people. So let's delve in. And I think it's a little bit like a, a triple box set on Netflix. And this week, there's three episodes that are going to be released. So let's call these three episodes The Call, The Inheritance, and The Promises. So episode one, The Call. Jacob, he was, his father was Isaac and his grandfather was Abraham. And they all lived in what was the promised land of Canaan. So we're looking at a very important heritage in Old Testament history. 
But let's look at what it says at the beginning of verse 2. These are the generations of Jacob. But what follows isn't a long list of all his relatives. No. What you have to realize is that this sentence is used 11 times in the book of Genesis. And basically, what it means is that it's pointing out to us. He says, listen up. What follows is really important. All right? So what is Joseph doing in this opening episode? Well, he's out in the fields uh, with his half-brothers, the sons of the two servants, Billa and Zilpah. Now, do you get the impression that this is the first time that Joseph has been sent out to work with the men? He is, after all, and we're told, very specifically, 17 years old. It also tells us he is a boy. So he's much to learn. But he knows right from wrong, and he clearly sees wrong being done by his half-brothers. Now, I, I take from this that what he saw them doing must have shocked him really bad, really deeply. Uh, and it may well have been his first exposure to the vile nature of his brothers. But whatever it was that these men were doing, and we're not told what it was, it shocked Joseph so much that he went and told his father Jacob. Now, will we find out in the next episode? Probably not. But what can we take from the story so far? Was Joseph being a tittle-tattle, or was he being a goody-two-shoes? Well, I don't think he was either. I think he was displaying absolute integrity in going to his father with the evil report concerning his brothers. You see, Joseph had a responsibility to his father. Whatever his brothers were doing could bring disrepute upon Jacob's name. So I think Joseph did the right thing when he went to Jacob and he told him about the evil deeds of his brothers. He could have gone along with them and had a quiet life. Yeah, he could have been seen to have been one of the boys, been accepted by them, but he didn't. He chose the right path. And there are some lessons in these verses that we just need to stop and pay heed to, perhaps. See, I don't know about you, but I've found over the years that I've been on this earth, it's never easy to swim against the tide of evil, especially in a world where tolerance and acceptance of behaviors runs contrary to what God expects of us. A people set apart from the rest of the world. See, God called Abraham out from his family with the promise of peoples to come. Those peoples are you and me. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, Therefore, go out from their midst, be separate from them, says the Lord and touch no unclean thing. See, God wants us to be different because we carry his name. We should be different in the way that we act. We need to be different in the way that we talk. We need to be different in the way that we think, the way we live. Purity should be the hallmark quality of our lives. But isn't it easy? No, it's not. 
But we have to strive to do the right thing in every situation. Our lives should be marked with integrity, no matter what the cost. But isn't it easy just to tell a little white lie to get us out of trouble? Isn't it easy to cheat a little here and there just to make an extra few quid? Isn't it easy to join in with the crowd at school or at work to fit in and be accepted? It's very easy to join in with gossip and bad-mouthing people. You see, Joseph did none of these, did he? He went straight to his father in an effort to stop the evil and to protect his father's reputation. You can imagine that Joseph told his father the facts, the truths. He wouldn't have embellished the details by adding to them either. I think he's a really straight guy. So that was episode one. Now let's go to episode two in the next few verses. We already know that Jacob has a shady history. We've heard all about that. So what do you think it might possibly have been like to live in Jacob's household? Oh dear. Now Israel, that's Jacob if you remember, loved Joseph more than any other of his sons. You'd have thought, wouldn't you, with his bringing, upbringing, he'd have known better than that. He grew up in a home that was rife with favoritism. He grew up in a home where his mother, Rebecca, favored him and his father, Isaac, favored Esau. That favoritism, he'd seen it. It brought envy, strife, trouble into that home. Can anyone here this morning relate to the pain of favoritism? Anyone remember being or perhaps might still be suffering as a result of not being the favorite child? You feel second best? We know often we bring the way we ourselves are parented into the way that we parent our children. Perhaps we favor the child who is most like us. Can you imagine the dynamics of family life that are altering because of Jacob's sin in this area? See, poor Joseph sure has a lot of trouble coming his way. We know that. But parents grandparents, we need to learn from the mistakes of Jacob's family. Favoritism is a rotten root which produces bitter fruit whose effects can be felt for many years. Jacob continues to add to Joseph's pile of income in trouble as well. Look what he does next. He raises his favorite son's stature even more. He chooses him above all the other sons to be head of the family. And by the way, you know, he's getting near to his death now because uh, he's had a good innings by now, but he's 108. Yeah? But we're told because he was the son of his old age, Jacob provides Joseph with a robe of many colors. Let's consider those two statements in a little bit more detail. That phrase, because... He was the son of his old age. Jacob was 91 years old, we're told, when Joseph was born. From this passage, we know he's now 17. Therefore, that's how I worked out, he's 108 years old. He'd waited many years for a child from his beloved wife, Rachel. And when Joseph was born, his heart's desire was realized. 
But are there other possibilities? You see, that phrase can also be translated because he was a white head on young shoulders. This might mean that Jacob saw wisdom and strength of character in Joseph that was missing from the rest of his sons. Or was it that Joseph was the eldest son of his favorite wife? Whatever the reason, he blesses him with a robe. It's unlikely the robe would have been striped. It probably was multicolored, but probably with a swirly pattern. But whatever it looked like, it doesn't really matter. It's the statement that that robe makes when he puts it on Joseph. This type of garment was not worn by a common worker. This garment is worn by the heir. There are so many occasions in the Bibles where robes are very symbolically important. And I think of one in particular being the, the story of the prodigal son, where the wayward son comes home and the father clothes him with his best robe. I'm going to set you a challenge here. Over the next four weeks, I want you to see how many different robes Joseph puts on in his life. But this robe told the other brothers, you don't report to Jacob any longer. You now work for Joseph. And all of this attention from Jacob towards Joseph obviously created jealousy amongst his older brothers and we're told that they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. What a miserable sounding household that is. Can you recognize similar households today? As I prepared this talk today, I was struck by the similarities of Joseph's coat and that one that God offers us when we come to him and say, sorry, and we start to believe in him. We read, don't we, that he puts upon us his garment of righteousness because we've been called out of the world and set apart from him. I guess if we had eyes to see each other as God sees us, we'd look around here this morning and we'd all be wearing beautiful robes of multicolors. Because, you see, when Joseph had that coat put on him, he knew he was loved unconditionally. There was a promise of greatness in the time that was to come. He could rest content in his father's favor and protection. Brothers and sisters, if we could truly put on that coat of God's love this morning and see our identity in him as being the way and the truth and the life, we wouldn't care about the poor human ways that we've been brought up because he loves us amazingly and perfectly. We wouldn't care to find favor in the eyes of other human beings because we would know that we are the apple of his eye. We wouldn't worry about tomorrow or the trials to come, for we would truly know that everything is in his hands. We would let go of resentment and hurt and pride and gossip and negative nothings, all to show his love to broken people who need the perfect love of their real father. Finally, back to the story and the final episode of this chapter. Episode three, the promises. The first dream 
was of Joseph and his brothers gathering grain in the field. They were cutting wheat and binding it up into sheaves. In the dream, Joseph's sheaf stood up, but the sheaves of his brothers bowed down before it. And his brothers immediately interpreted this dream to mean that Joseph would one day rule over them. And they reacted, how you would expect, in anger. The second dream, though, consisted of the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars, all bowing down to Joseph. And this time, not only did he tell his brothers, he also told his father. Now, this dream like the other, caused a rift between Joseph and his brothers to grow even wider. Not only has their father obviously chosen Joseph over them, now God is speaking through Joseph. And they see and hear all of these things, and their anger is well alight and active now. But he's included telling his father, and his father understands that the son, he's him, the father, Jacob, the moon, that's the mother. That's Leah, because we know Rachel died in childbirth, so it'd be, Leah would be his wife. And the moon, uh, the moon is, uh, is Leah. And the 11 stars, the 11 brothers. And he says to him, shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? He understood, did dad, what the dream was saying. But the episode ends with a big but. His father kept the saying in mind. And that's our look forward to the episodes that you're going to hear about in the coming four weeks. So, as I conclude, can I call the band to come back up? See, God had great plans for Joseph. He's he has them for every one of us here today. He's got great plans for us. And it may be that this morning the Holy Spirit has caused some renewal in your mind and in your thinking as we see the truth about the righteous cloth robe that he is, he is clothed in. We may want to thank him that we are in him uh, and all is well despite the challenges of life. It may be that there is some repentance needed in an area of life that we're holding on to. We may need to say sorry to someone in the family or even to a spouse. Can I invite you to either come to the front for prayer or to turn to somebody that you're drawn to here today and ask for prayer? In this, our first message on Joseph, we've looked at his background. We discover that his family was marked with vice and violence. This godly man grew up in the most ungodly soil. I'm still amazed that God could take a young man from such a background and use him like he did. But that gives me hope as a parent, as a grandparent, and as a person today. If God can do that with Joseph, he can take our children and our grandchildren and use them for his glory. If he can do that with Joseph, he can take you and me and use us for his glory. So while our lives 
might look like some of the worst episodes of a soap opera ever, we have, no, we have the knowledge that every day he clothes us in his own robe of inheritance. And if we're open to listen to him, he'll speak to us and he gives us promises that all our dreams will one day be fulfilled through him. Shall we pray? Father, thank you that you have called each and every one of us to be your light, your ambassadors in this sometimes vile and evil world. Thank you that you have chosen us to be different, to be separate. Help us, we pray, to live honestly and with integrity as your servants. Thank you, Father, that you clothe us in your robes of righteousness and that we are your sons and daughters, heirs to your kingdom. Lord, we ask that you remove any ill feeling we may have to members of our family that may have caused, been caused because of favoritism. Lord, help us not to repeat mistakes of any bad parenting that some of us may have experienced. Lord, we thank you for those of us who have had great upbringings. And Lord, we ask that you help us to model that in our parenting and grandparenting. But most of all, Lord, we thank you for your promises of that unconditional love for us. Thank you for the promised hope that you gave each of us. Lord, we love you too. Use each and every one of us for your glory. As we go about our daily lives this week, may we all feel your loving arms around us, guiding and protecting us in all we do. And we ask all of this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. You have been listening to a sermon from Christchurch Hailsham. For more information or to contact us, visit ChristchurchHailsham.org.